Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento. And if you can already tell, one of the themes of our content here in 2024 is all about building, building your business, building your teams. And part of that is really understanding the art or the science of what that means to do it the right way. And we are bringing in one of the best of the best in understanding these concepts. Her name is Jennifer Master. She is the owner of Master Recruiting and Career Consulting. She's a dedicated, talented, and resourceful professional. She's super unique because she is not only a national professional recruiter, but she also offers career consulting. So she understands both sides of this equation. So whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an entrepreneur who's committed to building your team and building your business this year, Jennifer is really going to blow all of our minds. I'm so super excited for this episode. She's a proficient recruiter who not only places candidates, but supports companies on their strategy and best practices. Jennifer believes in becoming and staying a valued partner. She has a unique combination, like I said, of that recruitment, but also that consultancy and her personality. You all are going to see it. Jennifer and I have had the, the opportunity to connect before today's session. She's direct. She's honest. She's a little bit creative. She always listens. It's a core part of why she's good at what she does. She doesn't judge and she gives back confidence to whoever she's working with. I'm excited about this one. I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview with Jennifer Master. Jennifer, I'm so excited that you're here. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Thank you. It's kind of fun to be here. Heck yes. So I obviously teased listeners a little bit about your background, but give us that short story. Obviously, you've had an incredible career to this point. You are one of us. You are a fellow entrepreneur. How did you fall into all these awesome things that you get to do today? Um, I answered an ad 31 years ago to become a recruiter. Uh, cut to today's world. Seven years ago, I left the last company I hope and pray I'll ever work for and didn't know what to do. My daughter said, do it yourself. And I said, hell no. She said yes. And I dove in. And seven years later, I have my own company business and refused to ever work for another company ever again. Yes. Amen to that. It's why I love that term of unemployable. Once we've had a taste of this entrepreneurial life, it's so hard to ever go back. With that in mind, Jennifer, obviously that is a long and established career in recruitment. I think a lot of people, when we hear the term recruitment, they think of a lot of different things. What does recruitment actually consist of? Because I know in conversation with you and also obviously having interacted with so many people in this space, there's a lot of skills and there's a lot of intricacies behind it. What does recruitment actually look like? It's a loaded question, not fit for just a half hour. But recruiting is watching a person, listening to a person. And yes, when you're in the recruiting world, we are hired to judge that person to make sure that they're going to fit that position that the employer wants to fill. But you have to ask the right questions. You have to read body language. You have to listen for tone. You have to be in the now and then understand what that applicant is going through because everybody just puts it onto the recruiting side. It's the applicant side. And you have to understand, do they understand who they are? Do you know how to read that person? And can they answer questions correctly and thoroughly? 
Yeah, Jennifer, I think you have an interesting vantage point, though. You have a bit of an advantage over the rest of us because not only do you interface and help the companies on that side of the equation, but you understand the career paths of the applicants. And I think from that vantage point, you talk about asking the right questions. You're asking questions on both sides. And I think it's fascinating because... It forces, I'm I'm sure that working with you forces the businesses to be more intentional and strategic about the hires they even want to make because you're asking them those questions that maybe we might just throw up a job description and on Indeed and hope that the right people apply. Talk to us about some of those questions that you force on these companies. I do the same amount of question asking that I do with the companies as I do with the employees, the potential applicants, employees. My customers and my clients need to know, do they know what they're really looking for? Why are they looking for it? What's the value of the position? What is the purpose of the position? Does everybody in the company have a write-off on hiring that right person? Do you know how many people are going to be in the how and who is going to hire the right person? And at a long the other way around it is also asking the applicant the same types of questions. Do they know who they are? Do they know what they're really looking for? I am known as a reverse recruiter because it's my methodology that I inflict on both my clients, the employee as well as the employer. They have to be able to work with me. They have to be able to understand what they're looking for. And the three questions that I ask everybody when I interview both sides is what is your value? What is your purpose? And what is your why? Yeah, that's really powerful because it's not only simple, but it is the launch pad for what I imagine is so many more in-depth conversations that reveal a lot of things on both sides of the equation, which I'm excited to focus on both of those. But the first phone conversation that you and I had long before we did this podcast interview (laughs) is about the art or the science of hiring? Because as someone who's hired a lot of people throughout my 16 years as an entrepreneur, some of those have been great hires. Some of them have been not so great hires. I take full responsibility that I've never been taught how to hire. Jennifer, what are those differences that you see of people who have no idea what they're doing when they hire versus the people who do hiring correctly? Is it better questions? Is it a better hiring process? I I don't know what that process looks like. Is it trial projects? Where do we even begin to start to understand the differences there you have to know the why you have to know the reason why you're trying to hire you know what is the purpose of this position do i know do i even know what this person did in this position if it's a replacement so you kind of have to really feel the in-depth questions to the employer who's trying to hire and you have to get a feel for why the position is open did you look internally ask all the mistakes that most employers do before you go out and recruit for them. Do they have a job description? How old is that job description? Okay, who wrote this job description? And has anything changed in the last year that you did write it? So there's, we could do this for three hours, put it that way. There's a lot of in-depth that goes along with recruiting. What most people think is that, oh, I'm working with a recruiter. I sat next to her, I told her about my story, and now she can go for it. That's this much of what a recruiter does. It's only this much. It's the back behind the scenes that most people don't understand of what we have to do. The sourcing, the questioning, the reading between the lines. And that's not just for the applicant, but that's also for the employer. If my employer doesn't know what they're really looking for, but they don't, they need to hire a receptionist, but they don't know what kind, I won't work with them until they know. Or I work with them, so they do know. (laughs) 
Yeah. And I, I like the fact that you paint that picture. I almost picture it like that, that age old meme that we see on the internet of the iceberg that you're right. We do see just the tip of that iceberg. We don't see the 90% that's below the, the water level. With that in mind, I'm thinking about what are the signs that we as end consumers, what do we see? And we see the LinkedIn messages from recruiters, which obviously, Jennifer, I know that you're super strategic in your outreach. Talk to us about some of that. Talk to us about that. If I'm an employer and, and I know why this purpose needs to exist. I know the type of candidate that I need. What does that recruitment process look like for you when it comes to that outreach? How do you even on a surface level before having conversations identify here's the right filters, here's the right way to go about finding those right people or potentially right people? Oh, so once I say yes to working with the employer and I have everything that they're looking for, how do I go find that person? Yeah. I reverse it. Ooh, tell me more. I like that. <laughs> that's 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 why I'm a reverse recruiter. My method is when I see somebody on LinkedIn or Indeed or just a resume because I advertise, depending on what my search was up to, and I get a resume from, you know, Jill Smith. I see everything. I like everything, but I approach her with what are you looking for? Why do you want a position like this? What can you bring to the table? So I do everything in my power to find out more about her before she even finds out about the company, the company name or the job description. So my method is to find out and work with the applicant, even though my employer pays me. I like that. And I mean, really, I like that because it starts with the solution in mind. I think it's actually, it makes way more logical sense coming from that angle. With that, I also think, again, I, I do feel, I'm going to say it again, Jennifer, on the air, you have that unfair advantage of understanding both sides of the equation for us, because I would imagine then you also perfectly position the candidate in terms of what that company is looking for. And part of that is obviously the interview. I want to talk about that. Be go ahead. Well, no, I mean, once I understand that Jill's looking for a receptionist job, front office, this is the job and the task that she wants to do, and then I get a feel for her personality, I'm thinking, this would be good. This is what my employer's looking for, but she doesn't know, and I do that on purpose. And then we get to the root of it. I talk to her. I then tell her the name of the company. She does her homework. If she gets back to me in 24 hours, then I know she's serious. If she doesn't get back to me in 24 hours, she also knows that's her cutoff. So I put a time frame on everybody with my with my applicants to find out how serious they are. Yeah, I like that. Listeners, are you paying attention here? We talk about in terms of marketing and sales, the importance of urgency. Jennifer's showing us that. It is a strong signal of intent. And I love the fact that you inject that. Jennifer, I don't think I often hear that injected into a talent acquisition perspective, that deadline, whether it's you with your client or companies looking for talent to bring on. I think that's important. I want to follow this path, though, because I do think and I know it's going to be a sexy part of today's conversation, the interview. So many people are both nervous about the interview. They're confused about the interview. You are the queen of the right questions. So talk to us about some of those interview practices that you've seen. What should we be doing in interviews? And heck, if you want to throw some shade on the way that a lot of us do interviews <laughs> the wrong way, lay those mistakes on us. It all starts with knowing who you are. So when I am a consultant, I really get to the root of having them answer the questions on who they are. There's a lot of questions that I ask. There's two very special questions at the end when I work with somebody to make sure they understand who they are. So as much as everybody 
dislikes tell me about yourself. I'm a verbatim kind of person. I mean, when somebody says, tell me about yourself, who are you? And I help through that process. When employers ask the other questions, what can you offer? What do you bring? Tell me why you left this position. I prep my applicants so they know who they are. I don't give them the answers. I don't believe in that because I don't want the employer to hire me. I want them to hire them. But I give them, and here's the key word, Ryan, confidence. They know who they are before they interview. And I have to do the same thing with my employers. They have to be confident in who they are and who they hire. So it's a mutual agreement and a good hire. Yeah, really powerful. And again, it's one of those things that might sound simple on the surface level, but gosh, you're right. We could probably do a a week-long expose on gaining confidence, Jennifer. Give us the short of it, because I think it's important for listeners who are either at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey and they're hearing this and they're saying, well, I don't have confidence in a million different ways, or even seasoned entrepreneurs who may not be confident in that hiring profile or heck, in the position that they're hiring for, especially if they've never done that position before. How do we start that confidence? obviously self-awareness that understanding of ourselves i like how you called out the very root of that word yourself that's obviously step one Mm -hmm. what are some of those other ways of of gaining that confidence listening to yourself trusting yourself writing everything down i am a stickler of the old-fashioned pen and paper Um, write it down understand who you are What are your accomplishments? Why did you have these accomplishments? What did you do with these accomplishments? Do you know how good you really are? One of my favorite questions, and yes, this is for your audience. Give me three adjectives that describe who you are. Rule of my game. Number one, these adjectives can't be boring. I veto if they are. And number two, what do you really like best about yourself? Use your ego. Actually, don't use your ego. I want to hear what you really like best about yourself. The minute they start opening up and talking about it, they're like, oh, I can say this. I can say that. This is how good I really am. This is what I like about myself. So it's just asking about them identifying their adjectives. And all of a sudden, it comes to the surface of like, oh, what else can I offer? Yeah, really powerful. I'm actually, listeners, we all, myself included, we've got homework to ask ourselves these questions and answer them. Jennifer is not saying these because they are conceptually something that makes a difference. She has decades of experience in seeing the difference that this stuff makes. So I love that you share those questions with us here on the air, Jennifer. (laughs) With that in mind, I'm imagining that both as, again, we're always going to talk about both sides of it, both as someone who's applying for a position, but also as a business leader who's hiring for that position, Matching those things, that alignment right there is so important. And when I think about the alignment, I can't help but think back to the days of when I was in college looking for my first job out of school. And all these jobs, Jennifer, had the craziest qualifications or prerequisites where they were like, <laughs> you need five years of experience in this. And, and, and they wanted to be entry level. Talk to us about the crafting of that, because I found that the older that I get in my entrepreneurial journey, the more mature that I get, having nothing to do with age, is that... I'm open to more possibilities of how someone has gained that experience along the way. I become less interested in degrees and more important place more importance on what have you done and what can you do for my business and for the people that we serve. Talk to us about those prerequisites and qualifications. How important are they? How have you seen them shifting? What should we consider as business owners when it comes to listing those on job descriptions? 
Job descriptions are probably the weakest link employers do. Either they put out way too much information or they don't put out just enough information. They need to literally write what expectations are going to be, the type of person they're looking for, even the personality, what the culture is within the company. And in today's world, if they're offering remote hybrid or in the office. So employers really have a strong understanding of what they're really looking for, why they're looking for this person, and what is the goal and the value that this person is going to obtain for the company. If they don't know those answers, they have no business looking to hire anybody right now. And in this market, that is probably the biggest clog that we have right now going on. Our unemployment rate is still under five. We're still pretty successful, but employers are so confused in today's world. How do I hire? When should I hire? I really want someone in the office, but this person who I really like only wants remote. How do I get the best of both worlds? So there's a stalemate going on right now. And our employers are so confused and they're not asking for help. They're just doing the same thing over and over. And that's why there's a clog in our system right now with employers trying to hire. Yeah. And speaking of that stalemate, I think anytime anything reaches a stalemate, I always like to say my key question for myself in life, if I don't like my results is what needs to change? And Jennifer, we've seen so many things change over the past several years, societally, business wise. Obviously, we could talk about the advent of AI and how that's impacting industries, but also COVID, the pandemic showed us. Obviously, there was a big transition to remote work. Here we are at the beginning of a new calendar year. I want to hear some of your insights into what are the things that you envision changing, whether because they're trends that they're changing because technology is enabling them, or speaking of the stalemate, the things that we're going to be forced to change if we want to be successful in this current climate. I'm going to address that in a backward stage, Ryan. Change is actually one of my favorite six-letter words. If you are not ready to accept change, then you have no business looking for a position or hiring for a new person, number one. So moving forward, AI is going to get more prominent in our industry. It's going to take away probably two-thirds of our talent acquisition divisions and positions until employers actually get on straight. The other change that you're going to have to look at is decision-making. Are employers making the right decisions and should they make the right decisions and are they the right person to make those decisions? So moving forward, it's best of both worlds. AI is going to conquer a lot. However, you still have to have a pair of eyes on a resume. You still have to have a human interviewing another interview, another human. That will never, ever change. So in the recruiting world, the only thing that really does change is AI. But then, no offense to AI people, because I don't specialize in AI on purpose, it's not always going to be the best bet. ATS systems at the top of ATS, ATS. Do you know that most of them cost eighty dollars to $100,000? So most companies don't even have an ATS. What they have are a pair of eyes. What they have is a sorcerer learning how to become a recruiter. And if they don't understand the resume that they're looking at, they don't call or email. They just delete you. So train your sourcers, train your recruiters on what you want. And employers have to retrain themselves 
so they understand the type of person they should be hiring as opposed to the person that they want to hire. The should and the want should always come together. And right now they don't. So moving forward, as many employers who can get it together of the should and their want, they'll have more success. Yeah, I'm glad that we've come here in the conversation shouting out AI, not always in the best light. Jennifer, I feel like every business podcast out there is just talking about how magical AI is, but I'll be honest, and I think it's important for you and I to express this to the listeners here today is that I've been hiring, especially in Q4 at the end of 2023, I made several hires and Jennifer everybody had the same cover letter because what I imagine that they're doing on their end is taking the job description, literally copying and pasting it into chat GPT and saying, write a cover letter. So they're getting almost (laughs) identical responses to that. So for me, the very few candidates who were personal, who were themselves, who showed their values, their beliefs, heck, I got a few personalized videos. That's like the thing that always catches my eye in a stack of applicants. Jennifer, with that in mind, I think that there's more opportunities for people to be authentic and to be themselves in an AI world. Where do you see AI actually being of assistance on the applicant side? Or where are the pitfalls of it? I just shared one in my own experience, but what is your take on that? Because it's going to be a force over the span of 2024 and beyond. Give us the good and the bad and the ugly. I guess that's in there too. (laughs) Well, I guess for me, it's going to be kind of hard because number one, I am not a tech AI specialists, I stay away from it. And only because there's so many other amazing, phenomenal tech recruiters out there that they use the AI to recruit. I am an operations recruiter, meaning no sense, um, what's the best way of saying it? I don't use technology to make me as good as I am. I use my brain. I use my thought process. I use the human approach when I recruit, when I sell. And let's admit, I sell people for a living. Hardest thing in the world to do because you can't touch it and you can't feel it. And if you did, I'd be in jail. So you got to rely on yourself. Technology is always evolving. We've all seen it. And we see it in the chat. I'm doing the cover letters, and I'm going to address something off-key with you, Brian. Cover letters are a pain in the ass. 99.9% of all employers don't read cover letters. They put it out there to make sure you follow directions. However, if you find yourself writing a cover letter, don't use AI. Do a value add instead. Here's my little secret. Don't ever write a cover letter again. Write the value I bring to the company and to the role. Very succinct, very direct make it no more than seven sentences and boom, there's your cover letter. Woof. Jennifer, I'm glad you called me out here on the air because now I'm thinking that's something that even I don't know. But if an applicant took your approach, even for me as someone who was asking for a cover letter, that would stand out even more, that value add. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, ultimately, why do we care about having a conversation with a, a potential candidate? because of the value that they can bring there. So I think that's super important. Jennifer, I am gonna call it out because as someone who <laughs> loves technology and I think it enhances so much of what I do professionally, obviously we have a production as an operation here. I do really love and appreciate the fact that you bring the human element to all of these things that people are in a rush to automate, that people are in a rush to, sometimes I think the word scale can negatively enhance the way that businesses operate. With that in mind, obviously a core part of your approach is that 
partnership. I want to talk about that, the human beings, the partnerships that come through working together, because obviously you very deeply, you've shown it here in today's session, you deeply understand the needs of both sides of the table. Where's that partnership come in for people who have never partnered with someone to handle these types of needs strategically in their business? What does that partnership actually look like? I'm not quite too sure I understand your question, Brian. I mean, you're talking about do I partner with people or do they partner with me or? Yeah, both sides of the equation, because I don't think professionally speaking, you talked about we all don't understand how, what recruiters do in today's market or with the intricacies of it. If I'm a business, what does it mean to partner with someone like you? Is it an ongoing basis? Is it a retainer? Is it someone who comes in on an as need basis? What do those partnerships look like for so many entrepreneurs who have been doing it? It's all of it. It really is. Um, when I opened up my own business and I thought, what the hell was I doing? It was my daughter who reminded me that I have a reputation and I love my reputation. And that's how I have a consistent flow of employers and then con well, consulting clients at the same time. In order to partner with me, be transparent, be honest, tell me exactly what your needs are as an employer, and let me help you through that. I have several employers that I am their lead recruiter. One company, I always wanted to go to work for them because their benefits are amazing, but I can't work remote and I'd have to move to Georgia. So they keep me on and anytime there's an open position, they call me with the roles that I know that I can do. I don't do the temporary or the part-time or the warehouse types of positions. And then there are employers who partner with me as needed. I do not work on a retainer. I don't like the stress of working on a retainer because it's always okay to see I let you down. I couldn't find what you're looking for. But when you're on a retainer, you can't do that. You've got to continue to go after and go after and go after. And after six months, it may not be worth the fee that you're doing them. So I try to stay away from retainers, but I build relationships. And I build relationships based on who I am, what I believe, in order for the employer to get the best bet. And I also do that with my clients who come to me for career consulting. I build relationship. We have that 30-minute free consultation. Just because they might want to work with me, it doesn't mean I want to work with them. So I have to make sure it's a win-win for both of us. But in your intro, one of the things that you said about me is really true. One of the main reasons I have partnerships and one of the reasons people rely on me, regardless for why they do it, it's my listening with intent. I don't listen for the fun of it. I know how to listen and I know how to hear and I know how to ask the right questions and I need them to ask the right ones too. So my partnership is all based on mutual respect, mutual transparency and kind of go from there. Yeah, I love the way you took that question, Jennifer, because I think it's such an introduction for those of us who haven't been operating that way, understanding the intentionality. It's it's the real, it's a trait that I see so much in not only obviously the way you show up in front of us here today in this episode, but it shows up so frequently in your in your work. How can you hire for a position before you have that level of intentionality? Why does this position exist? And on the flip side, why are you applying for a position? Let's get that level of intentionality. So I think it's 
so different from the traditional, I'm going to say the, the wrong way that so many people view hiring. But Jennifer, you've brought us back to the human element of it. And I think this is the important stuff. So with that in mind, as we come towards the end of this episode, I love giving my guests the hardest part of the, the episode because we've talked about so many different and important things on both sides of the desk here today. What's the action? Thinking about our listener base, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs who want to grow their businesses and their teams this year in 2024, what's something actionable that you hope they take away and actually implement in their growth journey this year? Three things. Number one, always be you. Jekyll and Hyde doesn't work. Stay true to who you are. Um, the, big, the other one, stop overthinking. You got to take away people who think and they think, but they don't execute. Once you think of something, write it down, execute it, stop overthinking. It gets people into so much trouble when they do that. Um, and again, make sure you can answer the three things about yourself. What is your value? What is your purpose? What is your why? And if you really want to have a good time because it is 2024, what is your word for the year? And having a word for the year is so important because you're going to reflect on it every time you're at work, every time you're speaking with a person, and every time you're trying to do something to build your business. And if I always tell people, have a word for the year so you know what you want to focus in on. Yes. Listeners, here it is once again, Jennifer challenging all of us to be more intentional. Jennifer, I know that you don't know this. Listeners do, though, for the sixth straight year, we've had an episode about the one word for the year because you're right. I think it just orients our sales in the right direction. And and it is automatic for us when someone wants to have that conversation. It's the thing that's top of mind. And inevitably, it's going to shape our years. So, so much advice and wisdom. And I know it comes from you for, from so many reps, so many years of experience and all this stuff. You've been so generous with your knowledge. I know that listeners, maybe if they haven't worked with someone with your skill set before and they're thinking, gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'd rather Jennifer come in, be direct, <laughs> ask me the right questions. Let's drop those links on us. Where should listeners go from here to learn more about you, your work, and of course, your business master recruiting? Where do you want me to drop the link? I mean, if you want to find me on my website, it's just masterrecruiting.com. Just make sure you spell master, M-A-S-T-O-R, and you'll see my website. I have tons of blogs, especially for New Year's, especially for continuation, for help, for employers and employees, both. And then I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, just put in my name, Jennifer Lee Burns, B-E-R-N-S dash master, and I'm the only one that pops up. So you really won't have a hard time finding me. If you Google me, I'm the very first person that pops up apparently on reverse recruiting. It's not a thing, by the way, people. Um, so it's pretty easy to find me. Yes, listeners, you all know the drill. We're making it as easy as possible to find Jennifer on all those platforms that she just shared with us. Her business website is at masterrecruiting.com. That's master, M-A-S-T-O-R, recruiting.com. We're also linking to her personal LinkedIn down below in the show notes, wherever it is that you're tuning into today's episode. So Jennifer, on behalf of myself and all the listeners around the world, thank you so much for sharing all of us here today on this episode. Well, thank you, Brian, and Happy New Year to everybody. 
Hey, it's Brian here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at thewantrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you. And it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to thewantrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.